We've just walked down the steep, narrow, winding streets of Robin Hood's Bay, a fishing village on the North Yorkshire coast, five miles south of Whitby. An old ballad has it that Robin Hood came here to chase off some pirates who were attacking the local fishermen. He vanquished the pirates and gave their loot to the poor local fisherfolk, who duly named their village Robin Hood's Bay. This picturesque village is home to one of the most powerful figures on the British folk scene. Eliza Carthy describes herself as an English musician. She's a singer and violinist with an energetic stage presence and a distinctive look, often including blue hair, piercings and big boots. Eliza is a force for innovation and reinterpretation of the traditional music she champions. Twice nominated for the Mercury Music Prize and winner of multiple Radio 2 Folk Awards, she comes from a folk dynasty. Her dad is Martin Carthy, stalwart of the first folk revival of the 60s, who influenced Bob Dylan and Paul Simon, amongst many others. Her mum is Norma Waterson, part of the Waterson Singing Group, famed for their harmonious interpretations of the folk canon. And the whole extended family lives around Robin Hood's Bay. Eliza's going to take us for a walk in the area where she grew up, and who knows, a couple of other family members might join us. Some old salty, how we used to rock me. Jelly roller, Jerry Lee, how we used to rock me. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Sorry to disturb you. Thank you very much. Um, second door on your right. Thank you. Is a mess. Good Eliza, morning, good morning. It's really nice of you to welcome us into the house. I, I caught a glimpse of your dad on, on the way in, and we've come into this front room, which is basically the music room, isn't it? This is it? the music room, yes. And well, you can tell because there's yeah. not an inch of space that's not covered by a musical instrument. Are, are these your <laughs> fiddles here? Yeah, these are my violins. Uh, my children are learning to play the cornet at the moment. This is a trumpet. That's the mandolin I used to play when I was a child. My grandfather's gramophone and gramophone collection is behind us. That's the wind-up gramophone in the 78s, yeah? Yes, yeah. that's right. With and a huge horn sticking out. This is my parents' traditional music collection over on this wall in book form. Oh, yeah. And here is everything else in LP, cassette, tape and CD form. From floor to ceiling, <laughs> yeah. right up there. Really not much room to stand. <laughs> it's a wonderful room. Do you actually make music in here or is it just where you store music? No. <laughs> No, that's not true, actually. I had, I've had i just come from working at Shakespeare's Globe and we did have uh, the two Noble Kinsman rehearsals were all in here. Uh, Eliza, where are you going to take us today? We're going to walk along the old decommissioned uh, beaching railway line, uh, which used to run between Scarborough and Whitby. Um, I used to go through Ravenscar, the, the, the village that never was, and uh, used to go through all the villages all the way along the cliff. There is a last little bit of it left between Robin Hood's Bay and Whitby, and we're going to walk along there because the view for radio is absolutely fabulous. <laughs> Listen, I love the view anyway. I don't care if nobody else can see it. I'm going to describe it. Yes, we're going to have a lovely time walking along there, and then uh, we're going to walk up to my cousin's farm, to Copsella Farm, to um, have a look and talk about the view there, and she's going to sing us a song. Wonderful. That's, that's Mary that, Waterson. That's my cousin Mary Waterson, Yes. And then after that, we're going to uh, go to the farm where I grew up and have a little sing with my aunt, Anne Waterson, and my parents. Who and are your parents come. are going to come as well? Yes. That's wonderful, because your mum's not been well, has she? Is she OK today? She's all right today, yes. We had a little sing yesterday and she just burst out, so she's coming. <laughs> Fantastic, what excitement. Well, let's, let's set off on the walk, shall we? Yes, let's do that. It must have been the rolling scene Now some old salty how we used to rock me Jelly Roller Jerry Lee How we used to rock me Old fair waltzers Bopping to Brenda Lee Riverboat jazz cruiser Driving to the tune 
19's now so salty. Oh, how he used to rob me. Jelly roll a jelly. How he used to rob me. Down the for dancing. Come on, Mr. Chester, please. Lady has gone for one more round. So You've come upon the classic. It was great here two days ago. It was 30 <laughs> degrees. Everyone was pink. When did you move back to Robin Hood's Bay? I came back, ooh, how old is my youngest daughter now? She's seven. Yeah, I came back just after my youngest was born because my mother fell into a coma while I was pregnant. And um, she was four months in the ICU and she came out of the coma and needed taking care of. I'd been living in Edinburgh at that point up for about, on and off about 14 years. And uh, myself and my partner at the time and the children, we moved back down here to help take care of her. It was a very uh, strange and difficult few months. The first time I spoke to her on the phone, when she just started to learn to speak again, was a real moment. I can imagine, so. yeah. So she was unable to speak for, for quite a time. Well, yes, when she woke up, she'd, she'd been lying down for three and a half months. She couldn't move. So it was a long road for her. And when she went into the coma, she was already in very ill health. So the fact that she came out of it at 72 years old and taught herself everything again was really very remarkable. It sounds as though she's grateful. a woman of strong will that she can do that. Oh, yes. Well, she's a Yorkshire woman for a <laughs> Right, start. of course. There is that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, I want to ask about singing as well because presumably there was a moment when she had to try to sing again. Yes. The thing about Mum, though, is singing's like walking around or breathing or any of the other things she does naturally. I don't think that she would exist without singing. But did she have to learn how to do it again? Was her voice different after, her after voice that is, experience? Oh yes, it's very different. It's, uh, it's deeper and more fragile now, but at the same time, uh, the thing with my mum has always been the expression, and the expression is still there, and more so with, with the added weight of everything that she's been through. Mm -hmm. And what about your feelings about coming back here to the place where you spent your childhood? They were very mixed, actually, I have to be honest, because I didn't have a happy experience here growing up. I loved growing up on the farm, uh, the farm that we'll be visiting later on today. I loved being there. It was a real haven. I was surrounded by aunties and uncles and cousins and and fr musical friends of my family that would come and go from all over the world, India and America. And I loved it and I felt very, very safe there. It was when I stepped out of the house that I didn't feel quite so safe. I, I just didn't get on with people, you know, I was weird. And Did you and, have a hard time I, at school with the other kids? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, and, and it's not their fault, you know. I was, well, I was very bookish. I, I myself was quite ill when I was a child. I had very, very serious asthma so I couldn't run very far or very fast and I uh, had long periods of time where I was in hospital off school. I had one very very good friend and when we fell out when I was 13 I left the area and I didn't come back for 
about 15 years. Because you just wanted to put it behind you? I did, very much so. Coming back has been... It's been a long road, but it's lovely. This is a very happy and unified community. Weirdly, I think social networking has really has really helped my relationship with, with the village because I've been able to discover people that I never got on with, with when I was a kid. I, I adore them now, you know. I love the school. My children go to the school that I went to when I was little. And I, yeah, I'm happy. Jelly roller, Jerry Lee How we used to rob me Down there for dancing Come on, Mr Chester, please Lady is gone for one more round Some salt is on his feet Now some I go away to work and I come back to rest. I, I'm not involved in too much local stuff, but uh, I started a festival for my mum, so we try and get... Norma Fest. Norma Fest, yeah, yes. Which so just we, happens in the first part of the year, doesn't it, in January? It does, it happens in January. We wanted to give her the opportunity to, to be able to perform without having to travel, because it's the travel that kills you, really. And it's a beautiful much... place, let's be clear. You know, coming here as a, somebody who hasn't been here since he was eight, because that's when I last came here when I was a kid. Did you come coming on holiday? Up, yeah, I came on holiday from Sheffield, where ah, I was born. Lovely. And I came to Robin Hood's Bay, and I've kind of had vague memories of it. I mean, it is absolutely gorgeous, isn't it? Do you walk here quite a lot? I do. This is where I laughingly run <laughs> three times <laughs> right. a week. Right. So uh, When my you say run, you mean you go quite slowly? It's a power walk, really. Okay. Sometimes right. I get off the ground. <laughs> But there's a lovely view up to the left as well of the hills there. And now opening up on the right, we can see right out across the sea. This is where it starts to get very beautiful, yes. On the left-hand side, we also have Robin Hood's Bay's very first vineyard, which has just been really? planted in the last couple of years. Oh, yes, it's just getting better. In North Yorkshire, we've got a vineyard. <laughs> we do. And then we can see the bay to our right. This is the time of year that you want to be here as well. June and the beginning of July is the time when everything's at its most lush. Here we have one of the old railway bridges here. And if we stand on there, on a clear day, you can look out to Robin Hood's Bay, but then you can also see the cliff beyond that at Ravenscar. And then further on, you can see the cliff at, uh, at Filey and Scarborough as well. Wow. Not today. No, sadly, it's a bit <laughs> misty today. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting that a lot of the songs that you sing are about the sea. I mean, does, does this view, this landscape, affect the kind of musical tradition that you're interested in? It really does. It, it really affects my heart. I see water, I see a river, I see, I see the horizon and it, it makes me feel all kinds of things. There's the water, there's also the tragedy of travel and leaving home and the joy of coming back as well. So weirdly, there's, there's not too much in the way of traditional music from this area uh, that we know of. There's, there's quite a few dance tunes connected to the sword dancing, which I'm also involved in as well. So um, yeah, there's bits and pieces, but we are going to sing you a song from the area later on. Oh, wonderful. As Jenny was walking along the sands, the larks they sing so clearly, oh. She met a fisher lad net in his hand as the tide came flowing in. Why do you walk the sands alone? The larks they sing so clearly, oh. I'm searching for driftwood to build me a home as the tide came flowing in. Tomorrow I'll wed a young sailor gay. The larks they sing so clearly, oh. His ship lies at anchor out in the bay. As the tide came flowing in Tomorrow we go to the church on the brow The larks they sing so clearly, oh Fisher folk weavers and plough lads and all 
As the tide came flowing in From this jilted fisher lad What money you get The larks they sing so clearly Oh, two lucky stones Of fine earrings of jet As the tide came flowing in I'll take not stones nor earrings from thee The larks they sing so clearly Oh, the token I gave you give back to me As the tide came flowing in Your token is safe in Bobble Hole Nook The larks they sing so clearly Oh, you can find it yourself if you go there and look as the tide came flowing in, but in Boggle Hole the lad she should wed. The larks they sing so clearly, oh, the seaweed was tangled about his head. As the tide came flowing in, they buried him by the light of the moon. The larks they sing so clearly, oh, took her to the madhouse in Scarborough town as the tide came flowing in. Quick, quick, quick. Oh, <laughs> it's gone into the bush. He's gone into the tree. There's a wren in this tree, a little tiny wren. It just flew across the path in front of us, didn't it? Oh, they're so beautiful and they're so rare as well. And they make that gorgeous little sound. Uh, my uncle Michael, when, when they still lived in Hull, he used to, um, wrens are considered lucky, they're lucky birds. And he used to go lucky birding. And you would turn your jacket inside out, get the soot from inside the chimney and put it on your face so your neighbours didn't know who you were. And then catch a little wren in a box and then you would go around knocking on the doors, asking your neighbours for money. Ah. That's traditional. It's a bit like sort of first footing in, in yes. Scotland. Yes, yeah. very much so. I don't think I've ever seen one that close up, just flitting across the path. That like was that. lovely. But you see all kinds of things along here. You get deer and you get, you get, you get adders, you get um, badgers. There's so just and the most beautiful birds as well, mm. as well as the lesser spotted tourist. Yes, <laughs> whom there are many. <laughs> Saint Stephen's Day is when they used to do the wrenning. Oh really? Yeah, that says the wren, the wren, the king of the birds. On Saint Stephen's Day, he was caught in the furs. Though he is little, his family is great. Get up, Mrs. Robbins, and give us a treat. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Drag that out of the back of my mind. head. There it is. <laughs> so, Elijah, I wanted to ask you about more about your childhood because you said you had a very happy time in the in the farm. Who was living in the farm when you were born? My cradle was in the porch. It was in the back porch. <laughs> As we were all crammed in together, there was my auntie Lal, that's my mum's sister, her husband George, and their children Oliver and Mary, who we're going to meet in a bit. And then there were two big barns, uh, the middle of which became Mike and Anne's house. And that was um, my uncle Michael, my mum's brother, and his wife Anne, and their four children. And the end of which became um, my house with my parents. Was there a great deal of music making going on? I remember epic, epic parties. And I remember my parents' friend Krishna sat cross-legged playing the sitar in the middle of the living room. It was, very, it was a very 70s self-sufficiency dream uh, with added folk music thrown in, you know. Right. I remember people playing a banjo and I remember a huge Cajun family came to stay with us one year, made gumbo in the back garden, you know. <laughs> Did you start singing from a very early age yourself? I did. I, uh, my dad has a story that he'll no doubt tell you if you wind him up and let him go later on. The <laughs> first time she stepped on a stage was at the Fylde Folk Festival, um, just outside Blackpool. And <laughs> she was six. And she announced that well, I'm coming on stage with you tonight. And I said, I don't think it's a good idea. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm coming on stage. And she just insisted. And he said, OK, well, if you know any of the songs, you can just 
pull on my trouser leg <laughs> and I'll lift you up to the microphone and you can sing. So I stood, I stood by him. They started singing the first one. I started yanking on his trouser leg, you know. So he picks me up, <laughs> singing away. Oh, did you enjoy that? Yes, 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 Daddy. Thanks very much. So he put me back down again. Now I'm next to his trouser leg. They start singing the next one. Yank, yank, yank. <laughs> Picks me up to the microphone, stands there singing away. And after about three songs, I just kept her up on my hip. Because she, <laughs> she, the so she knew them all. She knew all the songs. How the hell she... Oh, it just goes in. Oh, Gobble it up. And she was astonishing. I never put a foot wrong. Oh, I loved it. I loved being part of this thing. And I had all of this music and this story about my dad having seven generations of musicians in his family and my mum's family all being travellers. I felt special as well. I was like, oh, you know, sod you guys, I'm special. Um, but it was also very enriching as well, of course. When did you take up the violin? My mum wanted me to take up the violin when I was 11 when my granddad died. And me and the violin didn't get on. I wanted to be Bob Dylan at that time, and I had the mouth organ on a little stand. Round in, your neck. Uh, round my neck, and I had my mandolin. I used to chunk a chunk a chunk away on, and I was getting into Billy Bragg. And it wasn't until I met Nancy Kerr when I was 15, and she had purple hair, and she was a fiddle player, and she could sit on stage for five hours playing for a playing for a barn dance, you know. And she came from a famous folk family as well, and didn't she? And she did, yes. And John Faulkner and, and Sandra Kerr were a big part of her childhood growing up. And I felt this huge connection with her and with the folk scene all of a sudden. I think you just have to meet peers, you know. You need people to look up to. And she was my age and she was cool. And, and all of a sudden it made sense. And from that meeting, we were touring... 18 months after that and then, you know, six months after that we'd made our first album together. Was there ever any thought in your mind of rebellion, of becoming an accountant or <laughs> an astronaut or something like that? <laughs> um, weirdly, no. I, I wanted to be a writer when I was growing up and I wanted to act as well. And then I just sort of fell into the music through the stories. I always found the, the big ballad stories that my, that my dad sang to be really, really fascinating. And that, it, it meshed and crossed over with the Homer that I'd grow, grown up reading, with the Shakespeare that I'd grown up reading. And my parents had always... You see, both of my parents were iconoclasts. They were both doing things that no-one else had done. My dad, when he was just starting out, he put a leather jacket on and played the guitar. No-one had done that, you know, that, he, that people didn't think he was a real folk singer because he wore a leather jacket and played the guitar. And then he played the electric guitar. And he played ballads on the electric guitar. I mean, and the, the, the sort of the four-part harmony singing group that people think of now as almost a cliche within British traditional music, certainly English traditional music, the Watersons invented that, mm. <laughs> you know. I mean, aside from the Copper family who were, you know, sort of doing it for years on the South Coast, no one in the North had ever done that. So the idea of rebellion for me didn't fit because I'd been taught that continuity is not about just slavishly doing what the generation before you had done. And certainly my, my parents said to me, for instance, that I should never listen to the work of them or their peers. So I Because they wanted heard, you to have your own fresh ideas. Absolutely. I hadn't heard Steel I Span until maybe 10 years ago. Ditto Fairport Convention... I just, I skipped a whole, like, even two generations. I just, I went straight from the traditional singers to, to doing my own thing. And I don't think the concept of rebellion was ever something that was going to occur to me, really. Mm. I fell into performing. As I said, when I was 13, me and my best friend fell out. My mum said, oh, me and, me and Mary and Lal are going on a tour. Do you want to join us? And I went, yeah, all right. And that was it. <laughs> I didn't and need never to back. No, it was a safe place for me. There was a wealthy squire once lived in the town of Rye. He had an only daughter, I and on her I cast me eye. He had an only daughter, she was beautiful and fair, and there I asked her, would she marry me? 
Or would she just prove faithful until I returned again? She said she would prove faithful and if I proved true in kind. So, so we kissed, shook hands and parted and I left my love behind. Twas on a summer's evening as I rode through Georgia Square. I overtook the mail cart and the postman met me there. He gave to me a letter which made me understand that the Did you worry about being compared to your parents? Oh, I didn't have to worry about it because it was happening. It happened the whole time. <laughs> All the time, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you just took that and, and embraced it. Because somebody following your path might have said, well, I'm not going to perform with them. But you always have done that alongside all the original work you've done of your own. As far as traditional music is concerned, the concept of continuity is something that's very, very important. The multi-generational aspect of it was something I never had a problem with. I'd grown up sitting in rooms where a seven-year-old girl would sing and then a 90-year-old man would sing. And everyone would play together and everyone would be learning from each other. So not playing with my parents isn't something I ever thought about. Nancy and I, when we first started out, did make a point of not mentioning our parents on our albums. Like we didn't get them on our albums until, I don't know, I suppose until we were secure in ourselves. And we, <laughs> on my first album, I cheated. I got my mum in playing the triangle <laughs> and I gave her a false name <laughs> I gave her a Cajun name incognito yes. I called her Thorn Gumbold Fontenot <laughs> <laughs> and they've always been supportive of you haven't they very much so I don't think they've always liked everything that I've done but you know they've always defended to the death my right to do it mm. you know I've, I'm very lucky do you think there are things that they've passed on to you either consciously or unconsciously that have been important to you? Absolutely, of course. Yes, especially when it comes to singing, especially when it comes to, to expressing your own voice, which is something that my dad has really struggled with over the years. When he was at school, he was a choir boy, and he was in the choir of the Chapel of the Savoy. He had this incredibly beautiful tenor voice that he didn't know what to do with. Quite often, I think, you find that classical singers struggle with expressing conversational material in a naturalistic sounding mm. way and certainly if you listen to my dad's early albums you can really hear that struggle he has a fabulous voice he has spent years stripping away those mannerisms get rid of the training he's spent years getting rid of the training getting rid of the false vowel sounds all the weirdness of classical singing and replacing it with a naturalistic voice and i've really really listened to that it's very very important that you reject style over substance. It's very important to do that. So my dad has really, really instilled that in me. And, and my mum's expressiveness and musical generosity is just something to behold, it really is. So I've learned a lot from her as well. I've also learned not to take any stick. <laughs> Fight back. That's my mum. <laughs> and when you were making those key albums in the sort of 80s, 90s, 
Did you feel that you were taking a tradition that you'd inherited from your parents and trying to pass it on to people of your age? Very much so. I've always perceived that the problem, if you like, with the lack of knowledge within the English people of their English traditions is simply a problem of access. You just got to get it out there. And I didn't want to sort of create a false package for people, but I had long conversations with the CEO of Topic Records about how we were going to present the music in a modern way. It's like, okay, no standing in a field with a violin, you know, <laughs> no stupid flowy skirts, you know, none of that sitting in a tree nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to give a different visual imagery to it, but also a different texture to the sound. Surely, because you were, you were bringing in instruments that perhaps hadn't been used with traditional folk. Oh, I think they had. I don't think I've tried anything different in terms of instruments, but certainly in terms of modern production techniques and things like that. And also the way that you present those instruments. For instance, um, the drummer and I, Sam Thomas, on the first album, we had long conversations about about tuning the snares really high because in the sort of early 90s there was this very cracky kind of very very high snare sound that a lot of the pop and indie records were using at the time but then you got into your stride didn't you i think so yeah i mean over the years every album's been a step on or a step sideways or a step somewhere yeah. but it's been a step <laughs> <laughs> and 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 now you're with you're with a big band um, which must be challenging financially, I suppose, when you go on the road. Oh, yes. How many, how many people have you got in the, in the Wayward Band? In the Wayward Band touring party, there are 15 people. In the band itself, there are 12, right. including myself. Yeah. And why did you want to work with a band that big? Well, in 2013, I was putting together a best-of compilation. It was my 21st anniversary, officially, I suppose. It had been a bit longer than that, but it seemed like a, an idea to get together a band that would represent musically all of the things that I had done over the years. So what I wanted to be able to do was break the band into sections to, to be able to represent the acoustic material, the electric material and the electronica as well. And we just ended up all playing together. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a huge sound, isn't it? It's a massive sound. Yeah. And I adored being able to pull out the strands of everything that I'd done. Like, like, oh, here's that brass line that we could never do because we never had a brass section before. Um, so and now we do. So I was able to write that out and then I was able to hear it live for the first time. I'd always done everything in layers, you know. There's a dog barking. Are we arriving somewhere? <laughs> we are. We're, <laughs> we're at, at the my farm. we're at my cousin Mary's farm. And Looking uh, down again over the bay, we've come round a corner now in the road. And the reason we've been a bit out of breath actually is because we were climbing up a hill, weren't we? <laughs> Both of us a panting our way up. It was a very very steep hill well, indeed. Very steep. Uh, but we can look down again <laughs> on the houses of Robin Hood's Bay and the bay uh, stretching out uh, over to the right here, and and Mary's farm is just just ahead of us. It is, and that's her dog, Molly, barking at us. <laughs> <laughs> Just say a word or two about Mary's musical career, because she's made some amazing albums as well, hasn't she? Well, the first album that Mary Waterson made was A True Hearted Girl with, with my mum, Norma Waterson, and her mum, Lal Waterson. She was 12 years old, and, uh, yeah, she's kinda, she kind of got roped in. <laughs> but I think she really wanted to do it. The photographs on the sleeve of True Hearted Girl are all pictures of them playing in the stream uh, up by the farm where we'll be visiting later. Since then, she's sung with the Watersons, she sung with me with the Water Daughters, uh, and then she started her own songwriting career a few years ago, and she's the most astonishing songwriter. She was also, she trained as a graphic designer, and she now animates all her own videos and videos for our friends and peers. This is oh, yeah. the vineyard here. Hello. 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 Hello, dog. Hi. How's your kitchen? Is it clean? <laughs> How do you like my doorbells? Yeah, <laughs> they let you know we're coming. <laughs> You've got the most amazing view. I know. It's do you ever get lucky. kind of used to it? Well, we're all guilty of getting uh, caught up in life and, and everyday stresses, but um, yeah, no, it is magnificent. And, and, it's, and you're very aware of the weather here, it's always changing. Um, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Mm. We were just talking to Eliza about her childhood. I wonder what your childhood memories are of, of music in your, in your life. 
Well, my early memories were in Hull, um, sitting on the bottom of the stairs while the Watersons were practising, while they were singing. And uh, I was supposed to be in bed, obviously, but uh, I would always sneak down and sit, sit and listen. So, um, and... Uh, and they roped you in at quite an early age, didn't they? They did, yeah, I was 12 uh, when I first uh, recorded an album, uh, A True Hearted Girl. And, um, I, and I, can, I was thinking about it yesterday, and I, was, I can just see the grin on both of their faces because they were so chuffed to have got, you know, got one of the clanning early doors, you know, <laughs> just at 12. So, um, yeah, they were, they were really proud. Would you sing for us now? Of course, yeah. I could sing um, to Ginger Brown and Apple Green, which is a song I wrote about St Ives Farm, where we grew up. So I'll do that, that then. That would be fantastic. OK. In the ginger brown and apple green of many beasts and stinging weeds, mushroom cups dressed up the grass by the jam jar apple black. Unfold the petals packed inside in an unsurrendered mind. When memories stay, happiness goes in waves. Where the river and Sarah bends her head to call you all. A little boy sits to write his thoughts beside a waterfall. Unfold the petals packed inside in an unsurrendered mind. When memories stay, happiness goes in waves. We are lost in flow where wild garlic grows, seasoning the aniseed wind. I put down my book and try to talk to the friend you'd brought. Unfold the petals packed inside in a non-surrendered mind. When memories stay, happiness goes in waves. Well, thanks to the cockerel for the backing vocals. <laughs> she's just laid an egg. <laughs> so she's proudly... well, it's not a cockerel, then, in that case. It's, it's a, a hen. Thanks yes. to, the, to the hen for the backing vocals. Yes, she's very pleased about it. She's announcing it to the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the danger of singing outside. Anything can happen. Do you, so, so do you conjure up images like that of your childhood time at the farm? Um, well, it was just lovely. I mean, we moved up here for my 10th birthday and my memories of Hull are, um, you know, playing ball, jumping on the um, on the wall and pretending it's a horse, all those kind of towny things, walking about on stilts made of empty tins of powdered milk, all of that. But when we got here, we just went wild because we had a wood and lots of space and it was just beautiful and we were always you know, down the woods, losing our wellies in piles of mud and everything. And, and it was just, we just went wild. You know, it was lovely, lovely place to was grow. Was Eliza quite wild? Well, feral. <laughs> feral. <laughs> there was one time when uh, the Watersons had gone to the States and Eliza was just at that age where she could be left. But just in case, me and our Sarah, which is Mike's daughter, would be keeping an eye on her. And we went in one time and the whole kitchen was just black smoke because she'd fried some chips or something and left the oil on the stove mm. on the side there. And it was like, no, we definitely can't leave her. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the most extraordinary place. It was, it really was. It was beautiful. And this is why I've li I live here, where I live now, because, you know, we were used to that space, that open space. And, uh, and used to being close to family. Yeah, used to being close to family. We're all at stones throw, um, you know. Yeah, you can literally chuck stones at my house from here. I've heard him on well, your I window. Can see, I can see the roof. <laughs> That's fair enough, isn't it? Have you got a catapult? Where's the trebuchet? <laughs> so Mary's going to come with us now. Um, we're going to walk back and pick up your mum and dad. Yep. Fantastic. And where are we going to go next? Mary? We're going to St Ives where we were all brought up. Um, 
in the 70s, the Watersons all got together and decided they wanted to go and live in the countryside. And they, uh, they bought a, a farmhouse with a plot of land and some barns and converted the barns and each drew lots for who was going to get what house. And yeah, that's how we lived. And they, they, they were accused of being hippies. <laughs> they were living in a were commune. The hippies, were the hippies? Beatniks. The beatniks. <laughs> Rural beatniks. Is Rural there such a thing? Beatniks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, Anne still lives there? Anne does still live there, yeah. Let's walk down the hill and pick up uh, Martin and Norma. And then we'll go meet, meet Anne. Yeah. Today was my world, this place, and I, I dream about it pretty much every night. And you brought your mum and dad here, and Mary's here, and Anne still lives here. She does. So you're all going to sing for us, but isn't it an amazing treat that we can hear from your mum? Because that's not always possible, is it? It isn't always possible. We did. Uh, we had an album launch in in London a few weeks ago that she wasn't able to attend. She she was able to make the album, but she wasn't actually able to come for the launch. So and you made the album in Robin Hood's Bay, didn't you? We did, in the Fisherhead Congregational Church, which is called the Congo. It's owned by a, a very nice fellow who has a couple of houses on Fisherhead, and uh, he let us, let us stay in one of the houses so that she could, you know, go and have a cup of tea and put her feet up and stuff. Um, I spent about four days cleaning the church, washing the walls and then washing the carpet. And then we made it up so it was half studio, half sitting room with fairy lights and pictures of the family and the people that we'd learned the songs from all over the walls. We had the piano tuned. We even used the organ, which was it was a great experience, really very much rooted in the area and in our family. And it was, it was very, very kind of Andy to let us do that. And an amazing bunch of songs that you chose, quite eclectic. There's a Tom mm. Waits song, there's a Katie Tunstall song, there's a Monty Python song. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? That is what happens if you tire yourself out cleaning a church and then you go away for an afternoon and you come back and they go, oh, we've had an idea. We're going to go from Kurt Weill into Eric Idle. How do you feel about that? And I was just like, oh, whatever. Come on, let's get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, these used to be the stables. My horse used to live in here. Anne, nice to see you. And you. Thank you very much for inviting us to your home. You're welcome. <laughs> Shall we go in? Yeah, crack on. Where do you want us to be, Anne? In here. I think we've got yourself settled in there. I think we've got your kitchen. There's yeah. no point singing in there. Everything's too low. Yeah, and it's, it's too soft, deadens, isn't it? deadens everything as well. Can I say hello to you, Norma? I'm Matthew hello. Bannister. Hello. How lovely to meet you, and thank you so much for coming to <laughs> sing for right. us. Hello. hello. This I'm is Sally. Sally, the producer. Hello, Sally. Hello. We met Martin earlier on. Yes, yeah. Uh, how, are you, how are you today? Not too bad. Oh. Uh, uh, arthritis. What can you do? You yeah, soldier on. Yeah, yeah. We've just been hearing about the recording of the Anchor album in the church. Mm. Was that a lovely atmosphere? Absolutely beautiful, yes, it was. And, and lots and lots of the villagers, the villagers came and had a look to see what we were doing, you know, and, <laughs> and stood around and <laughs> it was lovely. It really was nice. Did you have a big say in the choice of songs? Because it's an extraordinarily eclectic bunch of songs, um, isn't it, on the album? Well, we had far too many songs, you know. It usually happens. You can't decide, you know. Um, but in the end, we all decided which one, which ones we felt at home with. I'm going to let you sit down, Norma, because I know you <laughs> want to come through. Thank you. Can I grab a word with you as well, Martin, sure. on the way through? Because I want to ask you about this place. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, this must have such amazing memories for all of oh, you. Oh, God, yeah. There must have been some extraordinary music-making done here over the um... years. We'd rehearsed, that, that was it. It wasn't as though we, we, we walked around the house singing all day. We didn't do that. No. We, there are those who think that, that, of course, being the family we are, that's exactly what we do. No. <laughs> <laughs> We'd drive you mad, apart from anything else, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, but, I mean, Norma, Norma sings all the time, and, so, and, and Lau was you know, often singing. People, people do sing, um, just for their own amusement. Eliza it. says epic parties is what she remembers. Oh, there, there were. Well, whenever, whenever we had uh, musician friends over, we always used to get, go and wake Eliza up and bring her downstairs and sit, sit her under the table with all her dollies. Just absorbing oh, yeah, the conversation, well, that, absorbing the music. Absor absorbing music because she's always been very, very musical. Listen, let, everybody's assembling next door. Yeah. Should we go next door and see, sure. if, see if there's some singing to be done? <laughs> No, she was always going to be a musician. It's in the, in the blood, yeah. surely. Yeah. Right, anybody else want tea, Watson, all of this? Tea? 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 Coffee? Yeah. 
I think I'm okay, thanks. Ah. We've been at the fish box having a cup of tea. Did, yeah. you, did you eat the fish out of the fish no, box? No, is the fish box good? The best two fish shops in Whitby are Trenches is good, but Magpie, oh. Oh, really? It's a different class, is it? Oh, the fish is Like I have a loud voice and Mary has a quiet voice. Anne is also quiet but she's low. I could if I could go back like that. That would sit in the garden. I could go You know when you're with your family, don't you? <laughs> so Eliza, just tell us about the song that you're going to sing with, with the members of your family gathered here around the table. <laughs> uh, I don't think I would dare because I learned it from them and I would get it wrong. Well, I, I can tell you that it's called Adieu Adieu and, uh, and then I'm going to pass you on to my parents, Mum and Dad. <laughs> Norma, do you want to Well, it, it, it comes from a group of songs called The Flash Lad and um, there are so many different versions in... Scotland and England and Ireland, um, and it's one of those songs that says, if you don't behave yourself, you're going to get sent to prison or sent or transported or something, you know, something like that. It's one of those songs that that is um, a, a lesson learned. In quite, a, in, in quite a lot of the songs, you end up with, a, with the old grey-haired mother tearing out her hair and the father crying, oh, my only son, oh and all God, that kind son. of... Oh, that, all of that kind of stuff. So they really, they really lather it on thick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're in good voice and lubricated by the tea, would you like to... <laughs> <laughs> Shall we sing like that one sing? for you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Had you, had you... Experience yes. to sing together. Oh yes, it, it's not the singers really. 
it's the song. You are what you're doing is you're passing the song on, and um, we were very, very, very lucky in that we all happen to have the more or less the same sort of voices that blend, and uh, and that's. <laughs> Dad's putting his hand up. Going. Martin says no. <laughs> well, the only genuine bass we've got is Anne. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I mean, you look at uh, uh, the Bee Gees, for example, and you look at the Osmonds and all, all the families that, uh, that sing together, and they... Hmm? Yeah, Beverly Sisters. Beverly, Beverly Sisters, Sisters yes. yes. From just up the road. <laughs> 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 they, um, yeah, they, they all have that same timbre, you know, that same thing in, uh, in their voices. The thing about this material and the emotions is we are missing, it's, whilst it might not be about the singers, we are missing two of the most important singers. So um, I think certainly for, for me and I think for everyone else as well, when we sing these songs, we, we only do it, I mean, sometimes once a year, sometimes not even that, you know. And uh, and it especially doing it in this place really does remind remind me of, of Mike and Lyle as well. So, who've gone. Who've gone, yeah. gone yeah. When I sing, I can hear their voices. Mm. Somebody once said to me, "Did I want to join another group?" And I said, "No, I I I, I really don't because I don't think I could." I I I, I sang with two wonderful singers, and, um, and and I don't see anybody could give me the feeling and the emotions that my brother and sister gave. You know, we sang together from being children and, uh, and it, was, uh, it was a natural thing. It's part of the sound in your head as well. Yes, it is. It's yeah. like you can't make that sound without the accompanying sounds being with you. And when they're not there, it, it, feels, it does feel weird. We, as, the, as the Waterson family singers, as we are now, I suppose, or whatever we are, <laughs> we, we've had to find a new way of singing together because those those frequencies they are there they're there in the end meshing but Ooh. but they are also missing as well and when i'm dead i'm going to my grave no You can subscribe to Folk on Foot on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts by clicking the subscribe button. Oh, nice bird. If you've enjoyed this edition, please do rate and review us so that more people can find us. And there are more episodes of Folk on Foot with Kareen Polwart on Fallamore, Sam Lee singing with Nightingales in Sussex, The Young'uns in Hartlepool, Steve Knightley on the X-Trail and Cara Dillon in Dungiven. You can visit folkonfoot.com for more information about all the episodes, the guests and the team behind the podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook for photographs, more news and behind the scenes. We're at Folk on Foot on all platforms.